1: and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures.
0: Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog
1: adventure of your own.
0: Welcome everyone to episode 26. Today we're gonna talk once again about, and the last time probably for a while, the Improved Photography Retreat. And we have with us a guest host, which is Jeff Harmon. You all know him from the Photo Taco podcast. Hey Jeff. Hello. So today we're gonna go back and forth with Jeff, myself and Brendan and talk a lot about the Improved Photography Retreat and things that we expecting, things that we had expectations for and things that we just didn't quite get from it, we were hoping to get from it, anything that we learned. If you've already listened to Jeff's Photo Taco podcast where he talks about his top 10 things that he's learned then awesome. Then you're going to be right in the right Mm. place. If you haven't listened to it yet, you might as well go and grab that podcast, listen to it right now. It's only 30 minutes, and then come back to us. And we'll talk more about those elements with Jeff and Brendan and I as participants of the retreat, not hosters and presenters like Jeff was. And we'll talk about the things that you can expect from a workshop like this and a retreat if you ever want to get out there and go, especially next year's that's in Charlottesville. No, Charles,
2: Charleston. Charles? Charleston, South Carolina. Yep. Do
0: you think that they're going to lean a little bit towards uh, fall colors time? Because I'm hoping so. Me too. No,
2: I think it's going to be uh, springtime again.
0: Ah, well, that won't be terrible if there's <laughs> blooms and blossoms. Yeah,
1: but the fall colors in that area are just <laughs> so
0: amazing. I know. I mean, that made me want to go the most, but it's probably way too difficult to plan
2: people's schedules in the fall, around November. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure what uh, goes into picking the time. Hmm.
0: Well, let's go ahead and jump right into it. And today we're going to start off with a photog adventure from a listener named James Black. James Black went out to an area that none of us have ever been. In fact, I'm not sure. Have you even been to Texas, Jeff? Yeah, I uh, spent a couple years in San Antonio. Oh, okay. Oh. So you've lived in San Antonio for a few years. You I've know never the been area. I don't even know where Fredericksburg is in Texas. Any idea? No, I don't know exactly where Fredericksburg is. Okay. Well, James Black. <laughs> you can always Google it, <laughs> yeah. like everything That's else. what Google is for. So James Black said he was out there in that area, just outside of it, at a place called Enchanted Rock State Park. And so here Mm. we go. He says it's his first photog adventure of the new year, and he feels like it was probably a success. I mean, you look at the picture below, Jeff, if you see it, here's his Milky Way shot with the windmill, the farm windmill. It's really good. And I was very jealous. He got the first Milky Way of the year as far as, you know, our listeners go and us. We hadn't captured Mm. anything yet. We tried, Jeff, to get out there to the nulls, but that morning just was trash for us.
2: Yeah, the cloud cover here in Utah has just really made it impossible so far. Ah, uh, yeah, it's
0: always on the horizon, too. Nothing above us, but just right on the horizon. Mm. Yep. So he says, I went back to a location i have been previously for a couple of reasons. One, I knew what my composition would be, and so I wasn't going to waste any time trying to guess in the dark. Nice. Second, he wanted to have the Milky Way rising horizontally behind the windmill. Last time he was there with someone who has a, I think an Instagram account called at five Art studios and they were there and the Milky Way was a bit too high in the sky. Mm. He, it was higher than the windmill. He'd already planned the shoot using photo pills app. So this time he knew it was going to work. Nice. The vision he had was going to yeah. work out. So he got up at midnight, drove an hour and a half freezing his butt off, took a bunch of pictures <laughs> and drove an hour and a half home.
1: <laughs> Holy cow. That's definite that's dedication. dedication. <laughs> and that's how you get a good shot though.
0: Exactly. He says this is his first temp at focus stacking, too. The sky is set of four images stacked. The foreground is eight images. Oh, okay. So he's doing focus stacking on top of foreground and the sky. So the sky oh. itself was four stacked images. Then he did the foreground in eight images. If you can't see this picture, it's go to the Photog Adventures I mean, listener group. Look up James Black. Clouds in there
1: have great detail. It's amazing.
0: Oh, yeah. He's got a tree and a bush and a windmill and a farm. Looks like a silo in the background. It's a small, like a storage silo, not the tall silos you might be picturing. Yeah. But I think that's definitely a silo with that pipe coming out of it. And this area is just silhouetted against a yellow light pollution at the very bottom of the horizon and a big, beautiful Milky Way sky. There's, aren't, there's no light painting going on here, just awesome contrasting silhouettes up against this Milky Way yeah. sky.
1: And what's great is that this light pollution is down way below the Milky Way, so the Milky Way details not interrupted by it, which is really nice. Yeah, in a way, it timing. helps
0: the image instead of being a, a deterrent, yeah. because you've got something up above that's blue, and then you got the yellow right here, so the color in the whole image altogether is comfortable and nice. Mm-hmm.
2: It makes that foreground silhouette really pop out much exactly. a lot better, too. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah, we wouldn't see any of this silo right here if it wasn't for that. Right. He says that his settings, oh, man, look at this. This is our second in a row. Another A6000. Exactly. Using huh. Another Sony A6000, so that's a popular camera. Yeah. It's a crop sensor. He used his Sam Yang 12-millimeter lens. He had it running for 15 seconds, and he had ISO 6400. That's the same setting that C.R. Bainter had, mm-hmm. 6400 in 15 seconds. So that's a really standard setup.
2: It's super well done. That's a really fabulous Milky Way shot. I love the way he set it up. He's planned it ahead of time. Mm -hmm. That's such a key thing to getting a good shot like this is trying to do planning. It doesn't mean it's going to work out, obviously. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) It means you can still epically fail, but... Sure, uh, but to plan it out like this—that's—he did a great job. Had a vision for what he wanted and, and then executed on it. That's great. Now
1: the listeners can go to the Facebook listeners group, right, and see this image.
2: Yep, if you look okay. up James Black,
0: you'll find his pictures and posts, and just look for the one that is a Milky Way. And his Instagram window.
1: is at James Black. No, at Black Lion underscore photography. Underscore. Yeah. So, so don't forget the, uh, the last underscore there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I really love this adventure, James. Good job. Any of you out there who went out on a Photog adventure of your own, make sure you post it at the Photog Adventures listeners group. Give us the settings and some of the conditions that you were out in and let us know, and we will post it and share it on the podcast. That, that image will look great on a print, too. Can you imagine nice. the canvas that nice long and sitting mm-hmm. up there? It's going to be beautiful. I wonder if James has already printed it. It would be really cool. So the trip was crazy. We were all so tired. There were a few things that stood out to me. Any that
2: stood out to you guys on this trip that was just crazy interesting and funny about it? It was interesting to me to see um, it's we all still have our egos and it, right. even in photography and I saw so many photographers who thought they were better than they were <laughs> at the <laughs> no, conference. No. Uh, we we all just have this thing where we want to we want to feel like we're doing a good job with what, what we've been working on. And I saw photographers even like people who have been shooting for years think that they really, really understand things. And then as we got into discussions, and we're going to talk more about this in, in some of the stuff we got out of the retreat, uh, they ended up really saying, you know what, I had no idea. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they learned because of the discussion. So mm-hmm. even, even if you're someone who feels like you've really got a strong grasp on, even the exposure triangle, um, I think there's a lot of room for, for learning there that... Uh, I saw lots of people who thought they had that down that didn't. So it was kind of interesting to me to see that. The other thing that was really funny was uh, the, the entourage that Nick Page had <laughs> around, <laughs> out at the retreat. Uh, that poor guy probably did not have a minute to himself the entire oh, exactly. week. No. Exactly. He, he at all times had like 30, 40 people buzzing around him, <laughs> trying to get a minute with Nick Page, and, uh, and that was really funny to see. That's I was a- really glad I didn't have that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's one of the disappointments I had at the retreat, is I wanted to meet Nick Page more, but I just saw that happening, and I didn't want to either be one of them that was annoying him, I didn't want to fight for the moment, and then yeah. have like two seconds, like, "Hi, hey, Nick, can I touch you?" Oh, it's Nick Page. I didn't know what to do, and so and I got you chance. get bum
1: rushed and pushed over to the side <laughs> by some groupie. That- yeah,
2: and I know he wanted so badly to make those connections with everybody, but there was just there were too many that wanted his time. And uh, it was just not possible for him to really get to it. So. <laughs> Did yeah. you see
0: any moments with his entourage, anything that happened? Because I, I only really had a chance to see him being followed to lunch everywhere and then at dinner. I never saw him outside of that because it was just so crazy. Did well, you yeah, see- he,
2: was, he was trying to do a, a demonstration uh, during a 45-minute session on flash photography. And there were lots and lots of people who wanted to learn how to use flash the way that he does mm. for his portraits. He has a very distinct style for his portraits, and, and it's really uh, popular right now. Just He's getting huge, huge popularity hmm. because of his, his portrait style. And so uh, there were just, I don't know, 50 people or something – and it was late in the day. Like I taught a session at the same time that had two people in it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and it's because it was everyone was headed out to shoot the desert that night. It was that oh. last that last day. Everyone had left to go to the Lost Dutchman to get sh- uh, set up for shooting the desert. And uh, so there were two people in my class. So I was <laughs> I was like I just really want to be going out there to shoot too. So maybe we should yeah. go fast. And so <laughs> we did. We cut it pretty short. But Nick had it was probably forty people, and it was so hard for him to even try to communicate with them and tell them what he was doing and make it so they could even see enough of what he was doing to take anything from it. And it was really interesting. That's not how most of the conference was. Most of it was different from that. But if you wanted Nick Page, <laughs> it was tough.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was too popular for his own good. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: like, you, uh, I mean, a, a class of 40 people would be so hard to do anything with because 20 to me for, a, for one instructor, 20 students would be like the max. You know that people can really get some one-on-one attention a little bit and have enough room to figure things out, but 40 is just, oh, man. wow, its a lot of people.
0: Jeff, you weren't able to join us that morning at Picket Post Mountain probably because you were sane and wanted to get some sleep and not yeah. kill yourself. And <laughs> so we were out Picket Post Mountain and trying to teach people astrophotography, and just with the 20, 25 people that were there, we were helping each one of them, and it was a whirlwind for me of worrying that who did I not talk to yet? Who have I not actually checked on? I was worried the entire time there was someone who I've just completely ignored, completely not helped. And if that person's out there and you're listening right now, Man, I'm so sorry. I couldn't tell where I was at in the previous five people I had talked to. Plus, it was dark, so I couldn't yeah. tell really what anyone looked like. I just knew voices, and I was going <laughs> back and forth. Like, who needs help? And there were a few people who were really vocal who needed help, and you kind of jumped to them quickly. But then there were a few people who might not have been as assertive. And, man, it's hard to get to everybody. It's really challenging at just 25. The right. good
2: thing that we had was there were, what, seven, eight more uh, people, staff people at the conference who were there to help, yeah. And so, so a lot of people, if they, didn't, if they were OK with settling for, <laughs> for a Jeff Harmon <laughs> or, or some, one of the other people there, then you had plenty of time to go one-on-one and be able to get stuff. So I spent a lot of time one-on-one or in very small groups where we could do lots of hands-on uh, photography. And, and I think those people, once they realized there's just too many around Nick and decided they could go get, try to get some help from somebody else... Then um, then they found it. There was one girl in particular while we were over at the studio shooting The Flash who uh, was struggling to get her Flash to work. And there was a, a, a big group that were all shooting together. They all had Young new gear, which we're going to talk about at the very end. Mm-hmm. And so what was interesting was because it was all Yongnuo flashes, and they all had young, Newer controllers, mm. we could set up like four flashes on one scene, and you could have 10 photographers all shooting it, and the flashes would all fire as they were pressing their shutter buttons, nice. and, and they could all get a lot of benefit out of it. We were all having the same thing. This poor girl, she had different brand oh, no. of flashes, and she'd never used them before, and they weren't working, and she was distraught. And so fortunately, I I noticed that she was there. And so I went over and and helped her with it. And she ended up getting some really good shots out of it she just loved it but she was so distraught at the beginning of being over there the retreat so there, mm. there were opportunities certainly to get a lot of one-on-one help it just wasn't from nick <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> and no one was settling for jeff Harmon because people would have been at that presentation more than two if it wasn't for the desert shoot and the other shoots that were happening right then just phoenix traffic sucks so bad everyone thought i got to get out like an hour and a half in advance and so that's why we bailed on you jeff we took off to the desert early yep So then the situation of having something that's just a little bit different than everyone else's and having that stress because the pace, the pace is madness. Oh, yeah. And so you see everyone else going and you're looking and trying to adjust the instruction that's coming to you for your specific brand of camera, brand of model, brand of… Flash, and it's just the pace will go right past you too fast, and so it's lucky she's very fortunate, Jeff, that you noticed and got over there with her. What an awesome one-on-one time that she had. Yeah, it,
2: that was not a unique case; though it happened all week. The, everyone else at the retreat, uh, all the other people there on staff at the retreat and working the conference, we all did that. We all tried so hard to look out for every, anyone who was needing help. There's some people who are going to go demand it. They're like, "I paid for this conference. I'm going to go get the most out of it. I'm going to go." <laughs> I'm going to go right now and I'm going to find somebody to help me. But there was others that are more shy and they don't want to to be forceful like that mm-hmm. and we tr- yeah. tried so hard. That was a goal through the conference It was an objective we all had was look out for those people who are not demanding it. Find the ones that are kind of off in the corner not participating. Pull them in. Get them to participate. Get them to, to do it and then they had... We heard lots and lots of times about people who had very positive experiences because of it. Yeah, well done, Improved
0: Photography. Well freaking done because that was so hard just for our small group. Impressive that you handled it for 150, 200 people. Mm -hmm. So in a situation of madness, the madness, the challenge, you go into Phoenix and you have this long drive with all the traffic hours and then it's just a small little drive that you have to make and it takes forever. So Brendan and I, we get there and find out if we even leave the... Parking garage, they'll charge us twelve bucks. We come back before ten o'clock at night, they're gonna charge us twelve bucks again when we leave, and this was gonna get way too expensive, way too fast. So we came the first day. I brought an extra pair of unders so that I was care- careful to have something in case anything <laughs> happened at Picket Post Mountain. Say I fell in a mud puddle, I got stabbed by a rattlesnake. I any <laughs> reason why I would want to change my clothes, I brought one extra set, and then I got you know that shirt that I was gonna wear that day. Luckily, Improved Photography gave us free t-shirts because we did not make it back to Brendan's mother's house where we dropped off all our stuff ever again until we left. All of my clothes that I had brought to change into were there. So I had the outfit I went with in Picket Post Mountain, my backup unders, my backup shirt, and that was it for what? uh, Thursday, (laughs) Friday, Saturday?
1: That's pretty much what I had too. (laughs) I think I had like one extra t-shirt than you. And these,
0: these clothes weren't getting just a little bit of use. We're talking 80 degrees high, 90 degrees days, and just constant from four in the morning until midnight. And so I stretched these clothes as far as they could possibly go. And I couldn't have anything to change into. I was so worried about just stinking by the third day. <laughs> I left my deodorant somewhere. What was it? Your mom's place? Oh, really? Yeah, I had no deodorant. So I was like Jim Harmer, didn't oh. have any deodorant with me. <laughs> and I didn't go and buy any because I kept thinking, oh, you know, tonight... Maybe we'll get out there. Maybe we'll go and get our clothes. Oh, we never had a chance. So if you're going to a workshop like this, keep everything nearby. Don't think that you'll have an opportunity to go drive a distance and pick something up because it is madness.
1: Unless you got like an Airbnb and that's where you're where you're staying, yeah. And it's a 20 minute drive. Ours was ours would have been like a 20 minute drive, but because we had our own car and we had to pay for parking over and over and over again, we thought, nope, let's just leave it there (laughs) and hitch a ride with whoever's going out to where we're going and.
0: Yeah, it worked out okay, I guess. But. Uh, did I reek too bad? That wasn't no. terrifying, right? <laughs> no,
1: I mean, you, you <laughs> smelt a little, by the third day, you were a little smelly, but you're <sighs> pretty thankfully, lucky, though.
0: Thankfully, Rusty Parkhurst let us stay in his hotel room and we could shower there. Right. And so I could shower my clothes, man. It was disgusting. It's gross. Them back putting, on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So whatever you do, don't go to the retreat like I did, like a 12 year old boy in a camp out and wear the same clothes every day for oh, four yeah. days. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, because those yuck. guys start to smell really bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. age, boys and they don't yeah. think they do. <laughs> oh yeah, that's it's it's a problem. A teenager Everybody knows takes it. their <laughs>
0: shoes off next to you, you know it. You're like, oh Ooh. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, quick funny story. My wife's little brother. He was 13, 14. He had a pair of shoes out in the middle of the room. They had a little white dog. He comes in the room all happy. Sees them watching TV. He goes up to Johnny's shoes and takes a sniff and starts gagging. <laughs> <laughs> and so if a dog who eats its own crud is going to throw up <laughs> when and yak after smelling your shoes, you know it's a bad situation. Yeah, yeah
1: just throw them out. Get some new ones.
0: <laughs> Another thing about Phoenix, Arizona area is that this is a commute into downtown for work, but there aren't, I guess, any apartments downtown because it is silent. We were driving into Phoenix, and it was like a ghost town. We're in downtown Phoenix going through major intersections, and we were the only one there. And that was just at like 8 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock yeah. 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 It
1: becomes like a weird ghost town when you're there. The only thing that draws people in is big events like like the baseball game or a basketball game. But other than that, once those people go home, it's like a ghost town again.
2: And then that means there's no restaurants open too. So there were there were multiple nights that I was working late with the conference stuff. We were we were just busy from noon until eight thirty nine o'clock at night uh, every day. And uh, and we wouldn't have eaten anything for dinner, and so finally at at 9 o'clock, maybe one of the nights it was ten o'clock, we were trying to find someplace. There's no place open except like the place in the hotel. Wow, really? At <laughs> that 8 was o'clock? all that there was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, they we, all so up. Oh, wow. yeah, so
1: that's why that's why we ended up driving out like fifteen or twenty minutes outside of town to find. Regular society where there's like grocery stores, I and burgers, stuff like I that. I didn't
0: realize that it was the only
1: option. No, it's because there's literally nothing open around downtown area. <laughs>
0: wow. So, Arizona is a great place. It's very warm, very hot, very awesome. I can't believe I was able to go there in March and feel like I was in the midsummer. Oh, that was yeah. the best part about it. But let's go ahead and let's take our first break of the podcast and we'll come back and talk about the things that we expected and that went well with the, with the retreat. Okay. Welcome back to the second segment of the podcast, guys. Let's go ahead and talk about what worked and what went well, the things that we expected from the workshop that you can expect
2: from a workshop like this or a retreat for improved photography. Go ahead, Jeff, and mention some of the ones that you had. So I'm going to give you some insight kind of into what it was like being part of the people putting on the conference or or on the the retreat there. Nice. Yes, Uh, please. Kind of a little bit behind the scenes. One of them was that we offered some pre-retreat workshops, which is a... Um, It was an opportunity to have kind of more Mm one-on-one interaction with the people that were putting on the conference. So we had all of the hosts of the various improved photography workshops, uh, podcasts. They offered pre-conference workshops to go. You could sign up ahead of time. You paid just a little bit extra money to to go to them. The host decided how many seats would be good. So that was a case where I think Nick did limit it to uh, 15, maybe 20, something like that. Mm and they got to spend the whole time then with a lot more one-on-one with Nick. But I did it too, but it was my first time. I'd never done a pre-retreat workshop. In fact, I'd never been to a conference before this, a photography oh, wow. conference. Right, right. This is my first one, either attending or being part of the conference. Mm, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. So I was, I was so nervous. I offered this pre-retreat, and the, the thing that I wanted to do was I love teaching people who are more on the beginner side than the advanced side. Mm-hmm. I love being able to make that magic box that they bought <laughs> that's supposed to take pictures and make sense of it. There's so, yeah. so many dials and buttons and knobs and numbers. And oh, yeah. I, I know a lot of people, like, I have no idea. But there's this thing that says auto, so I'm going to turn it to that and hope it does something. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and there's tons of people that kind of just stay there, and they don't get a lot beyond that. They may venture out a little bit and go into, like, a semi-automatic mode, but they don't even know what that is exactly or yeah. how it works or... Yeah. So that, that's my target. I wanted to have that. And there were lots of people worried that if that's where they were at in their skill level with their photography, that this conference wouldn't be for them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, we tried really hard to, to let people know that's not the case. Any skill level would benefit from going to the conference. We had people that were there to help with all skill levels. You had Nick Page yeah. who's going to help you with the super advanced stuff or Brian McGuckin because he does NFL shooting and he can help you with your youth shooting. Or w- There were lots of people that were able to help you with some of that, but there were tons there able to help you. I, I focused the entire conference on people that were more at the beginner side. Nice. Like I said, there's lots of people who believe themselves to be more than beginners anyway, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're not. They, they really kind of need some beginning stuff, but I was so nervous because I'd never really done this before. I thought I'd be able to do it. I thought I'd be able to help them, but I'd never done it. So I I decided to do it. I decided to jump out there and say, okay, I'm going to try this. We're going to see how it goes. And I ended up with a group of five that came with me that first day. And uh, we had just the best time doing it. I I was also nervous because I'd never been to Phoenix before in my life. I didn't know the city at all. I didn't know where we were going to go shoot. I was doing all of this kind of trying to figure out what we're going to do From my computer here in Salt Lake City, (laughs) trying to investigate where we're going to go. And and you can use Google Maps. And I I got some advice from some other photographers who had spent a lot of time in Phoenix. So I wasn't without resources, but I was still just nervous. Like, what if I go to... We we wanted to go shoot at a park and be able to get some experience doing that, especially because I didn't have rooms at the hotel to teach in until later in the day. So I needed to start it off the first before noon, we needed to be meet at a park and go shoot. Oh, and okay. uh, what if what if there was an event going on that I didn't know about? Or there could have been All so right. many things that would go wrong. Oh yeah. And I was so nervous about it, but it worked out beautifully. It was so great. We went to Papago Park. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. So Papago. Papago. Park. Papago. Yep, yep. Okay. So it's kind of this area that they've set aside in the city to stay natural. Yeah, Exactly it's really like cool. it was yeah. before the city of Phoenix grew up right oh. there around mm-hmm. it. They like well, set it cool. aside at the beginning, it looks yeah. like.
1: Yeah, and it's almost dead center too. And it's right. really cool. So you have all property.
2: of the yeah. full natural cactus oh. and tumbleweeds mm-hmm. and everything right there. Plus they had some really cool rock formations. Oh, there yeah. Was a, yeah. there's a really big rock that you can, hike. It, you know, little mountain, little tiny mountain. And you, you can walk to the top and then they call it hole in the rock because there's this really big hole that's mm-hmm. worn in the rock. Kind of like the beginning of an arch.
1: Yeah, like a little cave rock. Yeah. yeah it, it's really cool. I, I climbed up there lots when I was a kid, actually. So it's, it's a really cool place.
2: So we went there and we were shooting there and it provided a lot of good shooting situations. Like we yeah. could go, the sun, uh, we were there almost at about noon. So the sun was kind of on the other side of the rock. And we were on the backside of it, and that means that the dynamic range between there, the the oh, shadows wow. and how dark they were, provided a really difficult shooting s- scenario. Mm-hmm. You had to; it was hard to figure out. And, and they were just like, "What do we do here? I don't know what to do." <laughs> Polar I Want to get the middle where there's the the bright sun on the other side of the city, and then I want to get some detail in the shadows. So we worked through it, and it was great. It was really fun. Then we went back and we we went through one on one instruction of. Uh, what shutter is, what aperture is, how how to do ISO, all kinds of of things. We did some practical shooting. We used a basketball, which is anyone listening, if if you're more on the beginner end and you want to learn how to use your camera, this is a really easy, easy way to do it. You can have your kid play around with a ball and just try to shoot and Play around with shutter speeds, play around with apertures, and you can start to really see what those things do. Try to get oh. stuff down in manual mode. You can even tr- start understanding the continuous autofocus things that are on your camera, how to use focus points. It just It's a really, really good way to figure out how to use your camera. We did that. So it worked out super well. It was, just, it was so much fun. Everyone that came really felt like they learned a ton. I've had lots of things afterward. Like uh, one of the attendees of my pre-retreat workshop, she did a portrait shoot to, uh, yesterday and she got some really good photos and really improved where she was at before. She'd done some portrait shoots before and now that she did it after, she said, I'm amazed how much better the results are now that we've learned this. So it was really fun.
0: That is fantastic. And you can expect to learn in a situation like this, but you never know if you actually will. And so that's awesome that someone got that. Now, the basketball technique, are you just practicing shutter speeds and getting that basketball to be still, or even trying some where you see the basketball in motion, just both so of So
2: you do both. You have one where you, you might have someone holding the basketball, and you, you're trying to get the basketball in sharp, sharp focus and get everything else blurred out. That'll so doing dealing with aperture starting mm-hmm. there dealing with aperture to use depth of field and kind of figure out what that means yeah. how depth of field yeah. works And even trying different lenses because the depth of field is not only affected by aperture, but also by the focal length of the lens. Mm -hmm. So um, trying it with different lenses, yeah, you're going to have to have someone who's willing to hold the ball. So you know, you might have to do it in stages there. (laughs) Your your kid might not be so excited about that or or someone else holding it for you. But uh, but that's one thing. And and then shutter speed, yeah, have them like toss the ball in the air and try to get the ball frozen in motion and in sharp focus. All of those things help you to really understand, get to learn where your buttons are on your camera, start to develop like muscle memory for where, where those buttons and knobs are so you can, you can change the settings faster and get to the point where you're comfortable throwing it in full manual mode and taking control over what the settings are yourself. Mm, That's
0: awesome. Nice. I need to try that with my kid because I keep doing landscape photography and astro. I'm trying to go back to taking pictures of my fast four-year-old son and I'm just blurry and a beginner again. I go from all the stuff that I've learned and gotten good at to I'm a noob. I'm a new again.
1: Kids will definitely do it, too. You, you have to have a fast lens <laughs> and really rely on your fast autofocus to catch Absolutely. those moments. Absolutely.
0: That's something I'm going to practice and try. So as a presenter, did you guys have more time in the in the week before the conference? Did you take off more time of work to get there on Tuesday and you hung out Tuesday and check these locations out before your pre-retreat conference or, or your pre-retreat workshop? Or did you have Wednesday only and you just kind of were there first at pa- Papago Park for the first time as your re- your workshop attendees.
2: I didn't. So we drove down on Tuesday, and so we started off probably around 10 a.m. in the morning. We wanted to leave way earlier than that, but it just didn't work to no get away. It does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had to make sure kids were taken care of, and uh, right. so it took us a while. So and then it was a 10-hour drive to get down there. So we we got there very late on on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. The pre-retreat workshop was all day Wednesday. I almost didn't sleep Wednesday night because I was so worried. <laughs> I'd, I still had never been to any of these locations. <laughs> and I was just scared to death that we were going to show up and be like, "Oh yeah, this isn't going to work. There's an event or or there could be like a, a cop there saying, "Hey, you can't do this." Or I <laughs> oh, didn't I didn't man. know. Right. And I was so nervous. Uh, uh, it would be so uh, embarrassing. He's like, "You can't take pictures here, guys." Like what? <laughs> like <what>? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it turned out beautifully, but uh but I was so nervous. I, I really it would have been better to do and and in the next retreat, I learned a lot about what how I'm gonna be better prepared and I'm gonna do be able to do a better job of helping a lot more people. I learned a lot about how to do that. So the, mm. these retreats are just going to improve. This was our first improved photography retreat. It went super well. They, the, Everyone had really good things to say about it. But we learned lots of things that are going to make the next one that much better. It's going to be really good to to do it. And one of those was, yeah, I need to get down there a day. I need a whole day before the, the workshops or anything else to go scout locations and feel comfortable with er- everything we're going to do.
1: Yeah, my hat's off to you guys because, I mean I, I mean, I thought, For some reason, this was maybe your second or third retreat. And when I got there, I'm like, oh, wait, this is the first
2: one,
0: really?
1: And by the end of the conference, I'm like, wow, you guys did a really great job for being the first time. Awesome. Awesome work. So I, I was I was happy with the results as
0: well. I completely agree with that. I knew that it was going to be something that was going to have some clumsy moments, but it never really had those moments. Not really, no. It the only thing really that smooth. could change is some things that would make it so that people have more time here or there or what you do, but it was nothing that was a mistake or bad the first time. It was fantastic.
1: The only thing that felt a little awkward was the very beginning when they had the impromptu photo contest and you could just see the look on everybody's <laughs> face like, really? We're, we're doing this now? So that was actually, but that was actually pretty funny.
0: It went Really well, even it though was it was really did start ama- off awkwardly. Yeah, it was
1: really amazing how well they, I mean, these guys were put on the spot right there, yeah. zero preparation. And it's like, okay, take your camera, here's a flash, here's a model. Go and they are yeah. like, What? I got two minutes to what? And it, yeah, so that was actually really funny. And you
0: got someone that you've respected and loved, like Nick Page, Jim Harmer, that you've seen their work for
2: years and then you see them on the spot and you're they're like oh, okay. They're <laughs> sweating like I would. They're not oh, yeah. complete superheroes. Well yeah. Connor Connor was part of that and he, he just sweats no matter what what he does. He <laughs> is it, anytime he shoots, he just gets in a lather. It's really fun to see him shoot because it's different than I've seen anyone shoot. He has a, a much different holding stance and stuff than oh, anyone yeah, I've right? seen. He tucks and, his
0: elbow in so tight and his elbow is up high, which is on the other good. Side.
2: That really helps him to support his camera. But th- he leans forward. It, it's cool. It, it's really fun to watch him shoot because he does it very differently.
0: Hmm. And we could talk about his form, his photography form. Yeah. like we could, he could a do sports. a whole class on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the. Th- to go off of what Jeff said and the expectations that you have, I guess this is what you can expect from the conference that I didn't realize beforehand, and it was that you will have people helping you. Jeff mentioned this in his top 10, that you will have people who are helping each other. Mm-hmm. There, There's egos, and there's not as much ego as you'd expect, because people are saying, oh, this is how you do that. I saw people who weren't getting a chance to even take the photo of the scene that you're at because they're helping others make sure their shot turns out. Right. And that was awesome, and that was my favorite part of the retreat, was my opportunity to that I had to teach. People who are like, hey, King, can you come help us out? We want to work on this Milky Way post-processing. And, you know, they haven't even pulled up Photoshop before. There's things that I would say, and they're like, what is that? Right. And so it was so much fun to get out there and teach and help people do something that I was really good at and I could help other people with. And when you go out to a workshop or retreat, you have an opportunity in places that you have strengths that you can help others and then gain strengths from other stuff that they've done. Like there were two girls who were doing a lot of portrait photography in our group and I learned some things from them Mm -hmm. that I had never done just because one, I don't have the lenses for it, and two, I just have never done anything with it. I just have zero practice, zero hours timed, on portrait photography.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know if it'll be that way at at every photography conference. I don't know if they'll it, it will be a very common thing to have people feel so helpful around you. But that is that it was like we, we had a few goals and objectives with the conference and one of them was we wanted it to be a, a an uplifting and positive experience. So we thought through really carefully what what kinds of things can bring negativity into a conference and let's mm-hmm. not do that. Mm-hmm. One of those was like post uh session surveys a lot of conferences every single session that you have in the conference every class you can go to they have a, a survey you can fill out, kind of in the back yeah. of the room oh, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, do they do, and yeah. Yeah, and we talked about it and decided that is an opportunity that negativity can come into the conference, and we don't want that. So we're just Good we're going to opt to not do that. Yeah, and we'll just make sure we ask for people people to give us feedback ourselves, one on one or in small groups through the conference, and hopefully you guys had some experience with that with someone finding you and saying, hey, how do, how do you think things have gone? If they didn't, then we missed you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you just missed us. I saw yeah. it happening, but no one talked to us other than that one paper flyer that came out at the very end the very asking end, yeah.
2: for who you loved. And-, and there were other examples of that where we just we were super careful to try to figure out how do we make sure we just don't invite the negativity because we want this to be a positive experience. We want everyone to feel like they were uplifted the whole week and they were supported and helped and not breed any negativity. And I, I don't know how that is with other other conferences, but that's how improved photography. I is. think it was a great
1: um, idea because there's nothing that gets people down faster than having to do more paperwork. <laughs> right. You know, like, <laughs> oh, litigation. great, now i got to fill the survey every single class. Oh, man, that would kill. Yeah. So good good idea there, guys. Conferences
0: cause. I've gone to have had that after every speaker. It's true. <sighs> they hand you that slip as you enter. It's like, hey, no, give this feedback. No, I, I just throw it away.
2: Well, and <laughs> the only time people actually fill those slips out is when they did not like it. When right. It's a, right. When it's a negative thing. If it's positive, they don't fill it out. If it's negative, then they sit down and they write on it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: So, Improved Photography Retreat had the right price. It really had the right mindset for a retreat that I would like. So, if yeah. you guys are thinking about going to any of these, save some money so that you can do it out there in Charleston next year because I fully recommend it. Yeah,
1: I had a fun opportunity to help. I guess it was a, we technically did a pre retreat workshop ourselves the day before, the day of uh, like the morning, right. right? Yeah,
2: you sort of <laughs> did. So,
1: the Milky Way shoot that we did, um, I was kind of surprised of how, I guess, I don't know, I I kind of expected about 30 people, but I was still surprised that like 20 showed up. Oh, right. And so we went out there and all these people were dedicated to go out there at 4 in the morning and- 2 in the morning. 2 in the morning, till 4 in the morning, till 5 in the morning. They were all really excited. And so it was really cool to, even though I don't consider myself like ne- nearly as close of a- photographers like Royce bear or anybody like that, that does professional workshops and night photography. No way. And so my advice for anybody that's thinking about going to a conference and you think that, Oh, I'm only like a medium level. Like I'm not really a professional or I'm a little bit beyond amateur, but I wouldn't consider myself professional. Still go to a workshop or to a conference like this. And you can still have the opportunity to help others because there's still people at different levels everywhere. And so even though you feel like you're just intermediate, you can still have an opportunity to help others. Even though you're not an instructor and you're just there as a participant yourself, it's cool to go out and you feel really good about helping someone else achieve something that they've wanted to do maybe their whole life and never got a Milky Way shot before. And so it was like really cool to help someone in that situation to get something that they've always wanted but never had a chance to get. That was really, really exciting and really cool
0: to do. Let's go ahead and take our last break of the podcast. Then we'll come back and talk about the things that we learned from the trip, things that we weren't expecting from the trip. And then we'll go into gear time and tip of the week. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. We're in the last segment of the day and we're talking about now the things that we learned from the trip. Did you guys have anything that you really learned from the trip or weren't really expecting from the trip?
2: Yeah, I, I was surprised. So, I, I My expectation was, I thought I would have a lot of fun at the conference, but I was kind of thinking it would end up being something where um, where I, I got some good shots. I expected to get some good shots out of it and, and that I hoped people would at least come to my classes. I was a little nervous about that. They wouldn't come. And, and that would help people. But what I didn't expect was to love just being around photographers. Yeah. Mm. And I talked about that in my top 10, but I'm going to repeat it here because it just it surprised me so much about how much I loved that. Maybe it's the the combination of a bunch of photographers and that whole positivity vibe we were trying so hard to bring to the conference. The two of them together... Every, I just loved every moment, even though I was, I was working like crazy <laughs> the whole day. I was, <laughs> I was so busy and so uh, involved with the conference that I barely, I, so many times I'd be like walking from one thing and they like, wow, I'm really thirsty. And I didn't realize that because i would just been so into this that I, I didn't, I was really thirsty or I got to go to the bathroom. I didn't, I didn't realize that <laughs> I, I got that involved and that busy with it, but I just loved it too. And like, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it all the way home for those 10 hours we were driving home my wife and i were just discussing how we're going to do better next time in the next conference Mm. and we just can't wait for the next conference and it's just because i I just loved being around i just didn't expect that i didn't think that would be that big a deal i'm so used to when i pull a camera out especially my own children they they roll their eyes like oh great that (laughs) means we gotta wait for dad to take photos again this is terrible (laughs) Mm -hmm. and And I'm, I'm so used to that that uh, when I was around him and people were like, yes, we're going to take photos now. I was, it was <laughs> so wonderful. I loved it. And
1: I didn't even realize that that aspect of the conference would would affect me either because you always think of photography as like this really cutthroat industry, you know, like there's so much competition. You see all these good photos out there and you just have to assume that, you know, half these guys don't want to give up the secret sauce, oh, yeah. don't you tell know, where I was they, at. Don't wanna, they don't want to, they don't want to tell you the location. They don't want to tell you. What, and when we got there and we started talking to people, it's like, it's really a really open community. And people were just like freely sharing their best tips and their best tricks. And we were doing the same thing, especially for the night shoot. And it was just really awesome to have that feeling of openness and fairness and just, you know. A full
0: community of yeah. people who are having a blast doing the same thing you love doing that normally you do with no one else or no one else right. is happy about it as you are. Yeah.
1: And then talking to them about post-processing and sharing their our, our, our tips with them. And it was just really cool. That and, and then having the instructors uh, in their classes and the people were just really attentive and everybody was all on the same page for the most part and really just excited to learn. And I learned a ton of stuff in those 45 minute sessions. And uh, even though I was exhausted, we had like yeah. very little sleep. <laughs> yeah. I still try to absorb as much as I could, even though I was like falling asleep halfway and like waking myself. I'm like, I gotta <laughs> learn. I gotta, this is awesome. Like, why am I, ah, you know, so. Yeah, it was it was really fun though. It was really cool.
0: The community was awesome. I just can't give you guys enough props for being a fun community, a fun place and Improved photography. You guys really did have an uplifting and a positive
2: experience for mm-hmm. us. We
0: loved it. There
2: were a couple of other things that I really that surprised me too that that I took away from the conference. I I didn't go into it expecting. How much fun flashes to do. In the last year, I started to incorporate flash into my portfolio and into my portrait work. And that makes a huge difference. It's just it, it's night and day literally (laughs) night night and day difference about how much when you can take control over the lighting and you can add lighting so that it looks good and you can you can highlight the people so much better make them separate from the background it's just Mm. it's incredible what that brings to your photography and even if you are more of a landscape shooter and think that's not going to help you you learn about how to use your camera you learn how to Hmm. control things so much better and you're prepared for more situations. When you go out, some a lot of the times, as I have done this over the last several years, to try to go out to a landscape shoot, I'll come back with nothing, not because the landscape or the weather didn't cooperate, but because I missed it. I didn't have the right settings. I didn't have the right composition. I didn't. I wasn't prepared to react to the landscape oh. and setting. Mm-hmm. Even though flash photography and doing portrait work or whatever it might be, or, or any other type of photography, sports... Anything else you can think of besides landscape, even though that may not be your passion and you may not want to, to make a career of it or anything, dabbling in it, taking an opportunity to at least try it out will teach you things about your camera. It'll teach you about how to And then you're going to draw on that at some point. You're going to have some situation where you'll be able to draw on that and say, I, it's because I did something else that I learned something and I, I have a better ability to react to what is in front of me and get the shot I want. I think that's part of the reason that Nick is, is as good as he is at landscapes. He does every form of photography you can ever think of, <laughs> and he does it professionally. So he does portrait sessions, he does senior shoots, he does families, he does weddings, he does every single type of photography, and he knows his camera inside and out. He knows his mm. gear to the ultimate degree, and he knows now because he's used it in enough different situations, when he walks up to a landscape scene, he already knows what settings he's gonna use. He doesn't have to mess around with a lot of light metering or or anything to try to monkey with it. He can get the shot in seconds because he's so familiar with everything there is to do with, with the camera. So don't be afraid to get out and do some other stuff. I went to the studio. I'd never shot in an, a real studio before. I got this, like, DIY thing that I have in my basement. But, <laughs> but this was a real-deal studio, mm-hmm. and we had real models, which I would not shot real models either. These were people that knew how to pose. They knew how to, to get into positions that are compelling types of photos that you can mm. take, and I learned a ton. It, and everyone that went over there did. There were so many people who had never done Flash before, they went over there, and they really learned a lot about it, and a lot about how light just works, how you can capture it, and it'll help them in every other aspect of their photography to, to go in and have that experience. That's a huge
0: guilt trip for me now,
2: because <laughs> I I completely ignored portrait photography, because I'm not
0: going to do wedding photography, and I, really, I, I kind of want to learn it for my kids, but I didn't think I could apply it... To my landscape in astro, but I'm already thinking while you're saying that, Jeff, I'm thinking, ah, oh, you know what?
2: Just knowing where to put the lights if I want to light this cactus that's right. in front. If you're gonna light paint, now that the stuff that you experience you get from flash is gonna help you do a better job of light painting that landscape. Right, ah, that's right. gonna be huge. Okay, fine. So I guess we're getting. I guess we're gonna
1: be going to South Carolina. Well, oh, we're definitely going to South
0: Carolina, <laughs> but before then, between now and then, i have got to make a goal to get myself some practice with it. Yeah,
1: yeah. So one of the things that was unexpected for me was. Um, especially for the Milky Way shoot, we only had one night to do that, which I didn't realize we only have one night to do it. One hour. (laughs) Yeah, one hour and the first night, and that was it, the first morning. And um, I set up my camera and my tripod and got my composition that I wanted and just started a time-lapse and I'm glad that I did because as soon as I started that I was all hey can you help me with this hey can you help me with this and I was just I was just like a butterfly jumping around from person to person to person so I'm glad you were on the other side of the hill helping like the 10 people over there because I was on my side of the hill <laughs> helping 10 people over here and couldn't have done it without really,
2: you we needed two people Oh definitely I was wishing I could have gone out there because I would have done the same I would have gone and helped people set up and that, that, that would have been awesome helped. Oh it would have been a huge help I wish you could have joined
0: Yeah
1: it would yeah. and and it was very rewarding we were able to handle a group we had just barely, I just think. Just enough. And so I'm glad more people didn't show up at that point because
0: <laughs> it would have been I was hard just like, to get them to yeah, go.
1: Yeah, because everybody there had a really positive experience, and they started the whole retreat off tired but happy and excited, <laughs> and um and it was cool to see how some of these guys had time, spent some time processing their images, and by the end of the conference, you know, a lot, of, two of these guys won the some of the awards Big that awards. were, which was really, really. Also, very rewarding because we felt like, hey, we helped these guys. It's yeah. so rad. That we they, didn't help Dale know.
0: that much. Dale was out there. He went to the location thanks to us going to yeah. it. Yeah. He did his own thing. He had a star tracker and everything. Yeah, that's
1: true. Yeah. So he, he he was one of the guys that were just like, hey, just get me there and help me a little bit. And then I'm, I'm off to the races. And he was great.
0: He just needed the motivation and friends to go with. Yeah. Right, right. And, and then the people Larry, needed a lot more help. Yeah. Larry, he hadn't done it ever before. Right. And he came out with an awesome shot that Nick picked and gave him a free Acrotech GP ball head. I mean, that's three hundred and three hundred dollars 300 of a ball head. That's amazing. What a big win. Yeah, and Lairhead had
1: broke his, his ball head like <laughs> the day before the conference, so he was totally bummed, went out there and did start, you know, some Milky Way shooting with a broken head and uh, still got you know, still got the ball head as Came a reward. Out of it, it was a really, awesome, really awesome prize. Yeah.
0: Anything else you want to add, Jeff, on those before we go into gear
2: time? Uh, portfolio reviews. So I think a lot of photographers are so hesitant to do this, either because mm-hmm. there's a cost to it or because uh, they are, they're just scared to show their work. And I t- uh, almost everyone, I did probably about 50 or so uh, reviews at the retreat. Mm-hmm. And the way we organized this was, in the hour, in the time that the uh, people, the presenters, the speakers at the photography conference, the time if they weren't speaking, then they they asked us to go be down in this lounge area, on the second floor of the hotel, kind of where the the whole thing got kicked off from, and just hang out there so that people could either come talk to us and just get to know us, mm-hmm. or if they wanted, if, if they could say, can you do a portfolio review for me? And we asked the people that at the conference to have 14 pictures ready to go, have it queued up, and so that we could, we could walk through the 14 photos. And everyone that I talked to was so nervous to show me their photos. <laughs> they were scared to death. It's their and babies. I, it is. It's their babies. They'd never have done anything like that before. And I, I don't know why I feel, why they felt intimidated by me at all. because <laughs> I really just tall. A, Well, yeah, okay, maybe that, Um, but they were scared. They were scared to death, but they were, every one of them, after we went through it, were so grateful that they'd done it. They got Mm. so much value out of it to be able to go through their photos. Um, Some of them would say, I'd say, well, that's great. That's a perfect shot right there. You nailed it. That's, I don't have anything to tell you to, to change or do better but there were a lot where it was cropping it a little would make a big difference. And we did it right there. Most of them had it in Lightroom on their computer and we would just crop it and they'd say, you're right. That is much better. I like that a lot more. Or Mm -hmm. uh, there were lots that struggled with contrast. So setting their white and black points in Lightroom was a, was a big thing. Or even just the settings. Uh, You can hit the I key in Lightroom a couple of times and you can get to the settings for the photos, which a lot of them didn't even know that you could go look at the settings. But almost all the time when the shot wasn't quite right it was because the settings weren't quite right for the situation Mm. the shooting situation they were in I saw lots where the shutter speed was way too high they could have gone down on the shutter speed and that would have helped to get a better photo in their landscapes or the aperture was not right and they had either either end either too open or too closed down Mm. on the aperture and so being able to talk through it because then they they were really it was almost like I was there with them on the shoot at that point mm. in, in looking in the environment. And now they they're, they know next time I'm in that place, or usually it was a place near them anyway. That's where they went to to shoot was a landscape near their house. They know they're going to be able to go right back to it. And that now they'll have a different settings goal in mind about what to do. And it just, they, they found it so, so helpful to go through it. So if you haven't done it, it, it doesn't have to be through improved photography. We do offer portfolio reviews, but however you do it, go take an opportunity to get a portfolio review, probably at least once a year to help get some, um, some things, especially if you feel like you're in a rut. That'll really help mm-hmm. you to see what can you change to get out of that rut. What can you do a little differently so that you can, you can get on to the next phase of your photography. So portfolio reviews, very highly recommend portfolio reviews. I really wanted to
0: get out there with Nick and Jim. It was either Nick or Jim who I wanted to check out my pictures because I knew I was doing astro and landscape, and I wanted to see what they would say. And it was zero opportunity. Yeah, zero <laughs> opportunity to do so. I'm gonna probably end up getting another 2017 top 10 images, and then take my top t- top like 15 from top 10 of 2016 and 2017, put them together, and then just
2: go for it and pay for that service where you can get a critique from them. So
1: the critique well, was uh, was extra. It did cost extra. No, not no, no, no. at the
2: conference. If if you could manage, and Nick Nick hardly did any because he was surrounded by people all right, the whole time. Right. Right. But the others, most everyone else, we when we weren't teaching, we hand we. Hung Hung out down at the main level, the second floor area, and uh, people could come and either just talk to us about whatever, or say I'd like to do a review, and we'd spend ten minutes doing a portfolio review, going through their photos. Okay. We did learn some things, like we were a, we were thinking about making some changes there, where you could actually schedule it, yeah. offering some way, some online way to schedule a portfolio, portfolio awesome. review, so that you can do it. Yeah. And we we did sure struggle idea. to keep it to ten minutes. That was the goal, but boy, I went over that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Almost every one of mine went longer than ten minutes. We're gonna work on making improving that because it was the the people that took advantage of it really found that to be. I had several people say this was worth the entire cost of the ticket to come to the conference Mm. to have this portfolio review.
0: Yeah, it'd probably be a ton of work for Nick if they did this, because I'm thinking they were saying you have a portfolio review included in the price of the ticket, basically. Mm -hmm. But then you never got a chance to actually do it. I was hoping there was more time set aside for it. And if you're saying it was kind of in the times that you weren't teaching, you were available over there by the Ellis West areas, uh, you know, that... I was in classes every time. If I wasn't right. in a class, if I was actually ditching a class, it was because we were totally exhausted. And we took a nap. Yes. For <laughs> right, right. And so I didn't yeah. take advantage of some of those one-on-one moments that I would have if I had just mm-hmm. ditched a class. That's well, I, that I, was
2: that was very on purpose too. We wanted to make sure that there wasn't a single hour of the conference where you'd say, "I don't know what I want to do." We mm-hmm. wanted it to be more like, "I got to pick between three things I want to do." Yeah, that's how. And it I got to decide what that is.
0: Right, <laughs> Absolutely right. felt that way. Yeah, it was such a bummer. I had, there was one hour that we were thinking, to we go to Jeff Harmon's? Like, I really want to go to Jeff's. But then there's this. And it was yeah. going to be Brian McGuckin's and Brent Bergherm's podcast. He's doing live, and oh, yeah, Jim was yeah. there. So I was like, I want to do that too. And it was a tough <laughs> choice. In the end, it ended up not being like a podcast. It ended up just being Jim talking about his Ireland trip, which was still fantastic. But I feel bad for Brian and Brent because I'm not sure if that'll even pass as a podcast <laughs> episode. <laughs> Everything was so visual.
1: Okay, and uh, welcome to Gear Time, guys. Today we're going to talk with Jeff about the Young Nuo flashes. They're a, a third party flash maker, they've been doing it for a while.
0: Really inexpensive.
1: Yeah, they're really reasonable price. They got some really good options. And uh, Jeff's here to talk to us a little bit about those flashes.
2: So we, we talked earlier about how even if you're wanting to focus primarily on landscape, it's good to go through Flash to, to learn. The lighting techniques that'll help you with some light painting and just help you to learn your camera. so Young Nuo is a brand that is all on its own. there's there's no connection to improve photography, although you <laughs> might think it because we we talk about them so much, but but they, there's no connection there. It was just they happen to make pretty high quality flashes. Yeah. they may not be measure up at least build quality. They may not measure up all the way to the name brand Nikon Canon flashes. But um, but they they're so much cheaper. They're like what is it, a tenth of the cost, something like that. So it's like six hundred dollars per Canon speedlight flash, and you give like and sixty can, bucks. Yeah, sixty dollars <laughs> right for for the young newo flashes, and they do almost identically <laughs> what it is that the Canon and Nikon flashes do. Awesome. So and, and even though the build quality may not be exactly on par, they're good. I've got. Four of them now. I started off with one, and that one I've had for about three years now, and it's still going strong. It's growing great. I use it probably about three or four times a month, and mm. so it's it's getting some usage, probably not what you would do if you were a wedding or, or a full-time oh, portrait right. photographer. Um, so I don't know. I can't speak to like how long durability is on the one versus the other, but I got to think going through 10 of these versus one Canon or right. Nikon, I got to think that's not true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and these probably will hold up. And then there's there's inexpensive controllers. I think it was 40 bucks for the controller so that you can do off-camera flash. Mm. The controller is really easy to use, which is a big difference. So, one of the, some of the people that I helped at the conference, the controller was not so easy to use. It was tough and and trying to figure out how to get the settings to make it so that the controller would work with the flash. There was one combination I just I, I couldn't even figure out. They had it there. I didn't. I could not figure out how to make it work. The best we could do is make it work in slave mode, and that's where when the flash on your actual camera, like that little pop-up flash oh, that you yeah, have on your yeah, camera, yeah. when you get it to fire, the flash notices the bright increase in light, and it will fire too. That's what slave mode means, and that's the only way I could figure out to make the thing actually fire. So she had to use that po- her on-camera flash. And then it was in slave mode and it would fire. But I couldn't make the radios work. And that was a different brand? Yeah, it was a different brand. Mm. I I don't even remember what it was. It was something I'd never seen before. The person didn't have any... I think it came with their camera, this little setup. that was like part of the kit they bought. And uh, so we tried real hard to make it work and I couldn't. So we Hmm. we finally did get it to work in that slave mode. But anyway, the, the Young Nuo stuff is a really inexpensive. I'm not going to say cheap because that implies like lack of quality, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's a relatively inexpensive way to get into it. it yeah. Even if you can only get one, there's so many, so much you can learn about lighting with just one flash. So 60 bucks for the flash, I think it's $40 for the controller to put on your camera and you're in business and it's simple. It's easy to use Um, it's not, you know, it's not going to help you at all learn how to position the flash or anything. That's going to be your experimentation. Mm -hmm. And I I highly recommend you run it in manual. So the flash, uh, you can spend a little bit more than the 60 and get, get a feature in there called TTL that will help you to, the flash will kind of leverage the meter from your camera Mm -hmm. and it will try to figure out what the setting should be for you. Mm. Oh, nice. Kind of like an auto mode for the flash. Right but it it the, the light meter is rarely good enough or accurate enough to make it so that that setting those settings will be exactly uh, right. It'll get you pretty close, but it's much better to learn it yourself. Put it in manual mode. I know I don't know a single professional photographer who doesn't run their flashes in manual mode. Okay. And uh, so from the controller, the young new controller, you can even control the the settings of the flash so you don't have to like stop walk over to the flash hit some buttons oh, to change the settings and go back nice. you can right from the controller do it so you can take test shots see what it looks like if it's too bright or not enough then you can right there from the controller increase the power of the flash or decrease the power of the flash change the zoom you can do all you can control the settings and uh, and then try it again and try it again and try it again so it's really a helpful way to get into it for for not a whole lot of money for about 100 bucks you can get into it and start gaining, getting all those benefits of learning flash photography.
0: Nice. Absolutely recommend them. They were so cheap for me to buy them off Amazon. I didn't have to go and find a really good deal. I didn't have to hunt no. down anything. They are just cheap, coming straight
2: from Young Newell. I loved it. You do probably want to think of it, though, as like a disposable item. If it's if it hmm. breaks, if, if the battery door comes off or it falls over and the, the flash glass at the top falls off or something – you're not going to get it fixed. <laughs> you're not gonna, yeah, it's yeah. not worth it to try to deal with it. These come from China. Uh, you, you're just you're not going to want to do it. So it's you think of it if you go into it thinking of it as this is a disposable flash. If anything happens to it that goes wrong, you're just going to buy a new one. Right. Then then that's probably setting your expectations right.
1: And the company's interesting because they're they're starting to build lenses now too. Yeah. And they've got a couple lenses out now. That when you look up the brand name, you'll be surprised. Like, what well, I can get a young, new, flash and a lens. Like, these guys are they're starting to expand more in their product line, which is really pretty cool.
0: Right on. Well, for tip of the week, let's go ahead and do it quickly. This is going to be sort of a thank you free ad for improvedphotographyplus.com. I just want to say thank you to the guys at Improved Photography. So I wanted to bring this up mm-hmm. and because I fully recommend it. Just a quick hit of all the things that you can expect from it. You have many tutorials that are already on there that have been created, some that are coming. Just recent additions, let's look at this. You got Nick Nick Page's Advanced Landscape video that's on there just recently. Jim Harmer has his Lightroom Techniques webinar that he has posted on there that came with the Lightroom Steel. Nice. There's an awesome lesson that I'm looking forward to watching today about Nick's focus stacking. I did a lot of focus stacking when I was mm. out there on the retreat, and I'm not sure if I did them exactly how Nick would have, and there's lots to learn there. I'm excited to pull that up, they have things that you can download permanently. I mean, this is not just you have a membership for $20 a month and now you can get access to it and then next month you're done. There are things on there that you could actually download and have for life. It's not required that you keep the membership. There's there's huge generosity. In the tr- in the product these guys have been great for it just a couple of quick hits if you're not a landscape photographer you might love the commercial compositing techniques video that came from Sandy DeRoe and then Nick's quick course on sunset portraiture so he had some portraits that he created oh, in front yeah. of a sunset so he showed how to do that and then there was a trip that are free that Jim will go out and do all over the world they just recently went to Ireland he announces it first to the improve photography plus group and so if there's people who are filling it up through that alone then you won't get a chance to go and so if you're a part of the improved Proof Photography Plus membership, you can get first access and dibs on these cool trips that are going out. Nick uh, Jim is going next out to a storm chasing trip out in the
2: Midwest.
1: So you're not paying them? You're just paying nope. to be there with you them? You just pay you your pay own
2: me. expenses. That's awesome. Exactly. You buy the okay. plane tickets, you buy the lodging, you buy the rental car, mm-hmm. and he'll say, I'm going to be here at this date in this place, and you can shoot with me.
0: Awesome. I fully recommend IP Plus. I hope that if you guys have 20 bucks to spend on at least for one month, get it check it out. You have a 14-day free trial. So you can go in there, do the 14-day free trial, see if you like it as much as I like it, and see if it can help your photography. Cool.
2: It's not listed there yet on an IP Plus, but I'm going to be doing a video on how to make Lightroom fast. So oh. the session, it was one of the sessions that was pretty packed at the conference, but mm-hmm. I know it conflicted with a lot of other things that people wanted to get to. And they, they uh, asked me about if the slides are available, which they are, um, in fact, if anyone wants to see my slides, you can get a link. It's bitly b i t l y slash jeff retreat twenty seventeen with caps on the first one. So capital J Jeff, capital R retreat in twenty seventeen, wow, and okay. uh, you can see all of my slides that I presented from my three sessions that I taught. But um, even better than that, I'm gonna I'm working on a video of the settings of what to do and kind of a little bit of suggested workflow to work around the strengths of Lightroom. Lightroom can be very slow if you don't use it in a certain way. And so that's kind of what I went through in the session and what I'm going to prepare a video for out on IP plus so you can consider changing your workflow in order to leverage the strengths of Lightroom instead of being killed by the weaknesses that are there. <laughs> awesome. All right. That's
0: awesome because we had that exact problem. We knew we wanted to go to this one and yours. We were making that last minute decision. And we build on the Lightroom stuff right at the last minute. And so we were bummed. I'm so glad you have your slides. I just pulled it up. The link worked perfectly it looks like I'm downloading it from your drive this is great. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff, for joining us. Jeff is the host of the Photo Taco podcast. If you look him up on iTunes, you'll see that he is in the top 20 what's hot right now in visual arts podcasts. And he is the owner of place 13, 77, and 93 for top episodes in the visual arts category. There's 200 that are rated there. None of our podcasts show up in there. Jeff Harmon <laughs> has the top podcast at 13, competing only with Petapixel and other amazing podcasts. and so we'll. Well done jeff nice good job yeah it's fun and that 13 one was just the one you released last saturday nice yeah so well done i just wish that we could place in the top 200 help us get there tell eventually, your friends
1: yeah we'll get there eventually
0: <laughs> <laughs> thanks jeff for taking time with us today to talk about the retreat thanks everybody for listening thanks brendan hey
1: have a great week guys have
0: a good one